Ooh, you're ready. Good morning. It is great to see you here. Let's all stand up and sing together. <laughs> special Sunday this morning. All of the children, if you will go right now and meet Miss Katie in the very back, you guys are going to do something special during this next song. It is Palm Sunday, and we are so excited about that. Um, the children are going to do a parade in just a little while, a parade for Jesus, and it's so fitting to go along with this song. In the book of Ruth, Ruth says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, she is very loyal, and she says, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay, and your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 
And this song is called I Will Follow. And we will say those words, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay. And then we might not be saying it to our mother-in-law, but we're saying it to God. So this morning as the children parade around, they're following their Lord and Savior. So let's sing that as we, as we follow, watch the children parade around. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. All your ways are sure. All your ways are sure. I will trust. Trust in you alone In you alone Where you go, I'll go Where you stay, I'll stay When you move, I'll move I will follow you Who you love, I'll love How you serve, I'll serve
Children, you can just stop where you are and sit down on the rug if you want to be here for the children's sermon. And the rest of you can turn and greet one another as our children get settled. Good morning. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. We have a big crowd. You look great. All right. Who do you think is the most important person in our whole country? Any ideas? God. Jesus, God. Anybody else? You think the president? Let's see here. Do you think it's the person who has the most money? No. What about a famous movie star? How about an athlete? No. Well, I think the most important person in our country is our president. I think that if the president were to visit our city, we would have a huge celebration. We would go all out to make him feel welcome and to let him know that we support him in the awesome job that he has before him in leading our country. I believe that one thing that we would surely do would be to have a parade. Do you think if the president came to our town right outside here that we'd have a parade? All right, what, what I want you to do is imagine this morning that we're going to have a visit from our president, okay? I have some noisemakers for you. Sorry, parents. All right, Ella, if you'll get those out real quick. Just pass them down. doesn't matter what color you get. Oh, just a noisemaker. Just get one and pass them down. We take some back there. Well, hold on. And I am so sorry if I don't have enough. Maybe if we have a brother and sister, they could share one. Can I pass that back? Is there somebody back there who needs one? Okay, now hold the noisemakers for just a second. Okay. okay, hold on. Hold on one second, okay? Okay, we're going to use them in just a minute. All right, this may not have been a great idea, but here we go. Okay, listen. You have to put them in your lap. You have to put them in your lap. Okay, hold on to them. Okay. All right, now we're going to pretend, okay? But not yet. Don't do it yet. All right? Okay. Now, I'm going to describe the parade as the president passes by, and then I want you to wave, and I want you to blow your horns, and I want you to shout. Not yet, okay? Are you ready? Now the parade is about to begin. Look, look, the parade is approaching. Do you see it? Look, the band is leading the parade. Okay, okay. It's, it's passed. The parade's passed. Okay, you can rest it. Okay, so as, the, as we watch the parade, we see the president and the congressman and the senator and the mayor of the city. And as they pass, we smile and we wave at them. You guys have been to the parade. And then here he comes, the president. He's riding down the street in a big black convertible. He waves to the crowds that are lining the streets as he passes by. The people are waving flags. They're throwing confetti up in the air. And they're blowing their noisemakers and shouting, yay, hip, hip, hooray. You got it. All right. So now guess what? The parade's over. 
They've already gone by. The celebration is over. No more noise. That's very much like the scene that took place a long time ago in Jerusalem. Okay, no more noisemakers. The parade's over. The king was coming to their city and people lined the streets. Some people walked in front of the king and some people walked behind him. And instead of a big black convertible, the king rode on the back of a small donkey. And as he rode through the streets of the city, the crowds waved palm branches, just like you did this morning, and shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I'm sure you know who that king was. Who was it? It was Jesus. Today is Palm Sunday, and today we celebrate the entry of King Jesus into Jerusalem. It was a day that marked the beginning of an incredible week, a week that would, a week that would see Jesus cheered and then arrested, tried, condemned, and crucified. But as that week came to an end, another week began, just as the previous week had begun with a celebration. So today, when you get home, not in church while Preacher Arthur's preaching, but when you get home, you can use your noisemakers and think about when Jesus came and, and rode into town, okay? All right, and before I say our prayer with you, listen, when you get back to your seats, if you'll give Mom and Dad the noisemakers until the end of church, okay? All right, if you will, bow your heads and pray, pray with me, please. Dear Jesus, our voices join with the voices of the people in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. Hosanna, blessed in he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. There's a whole bunch of geese that just landed in the parking lot. <clears throat> oh, me. Churches used to have amen corners. Today we'll have horn-blowing corners, I guess, uh, if the jokes are bad enough. It is good to see all of you here today. Um, that uh, We come together, and I find myself today very thankful that I have a house with a roof still on it. If you watched any of the news last night, you know our neighbors up in the capital city, silly, capital city of Raleigh, North Carolina, pretty well got wiped out by the tornadoes yesterday. So our thoughts and prayers are with them and makes us all the more uh, grateful to be intact today. If you are uh, here today with special concerns on your heart, we invite you to share your prayer concern by filling something out, putting something on, a, on an index card, um, and we'll collect those in a minute. Let our ushers know that you have a prayer request by lifting your hand, and our ushers will get you a prayer card. <clears throat> if you need a pen or a pencil, let them know. They'll hunt one down for you. Um, and we will join you in prayer in a few moments. If you're visiting with us today, we're delighted you're here. We want you to come back on future days, and we hope we earn that, uh, that right to ask you to come back by our welcome to you this day. We do have classes for all ages uh, following this service at 10 o'clock. Most of the classes, all the classes for children are over here and most of the adult classes as well. Uh, we have uh, 11 o'clock traditional worship service in our sanctuary that we invite you to come to as well. Other announcements. <clears throat> um, kids, the regular Sunday night program is tonight, um, 5.30 to 7.00. The Easter egg hunt extravaganza is this coming Saturday. Thank goodness it wasn't yesterday. Uh, April the 23rd at 2 p.m. 
uh, fun and games inside the FLC, lots of eggs to hunt outside. Bring your Easter baskets. So that is next Saturday at 2 p.m. Uh, for an egg extravaganza. Uh, youth will be meeting tonight uh, as usual. Does that include Alex? Is he supposed to be back for that? Is he supposed Okay. Alex Guest is going to get his Eagle Scout Award this afternoon, so we just don't know whether he'd get back or not. <clears throat> Alex, I never got anything but a turkey award, so that's really... I got many of those. <laughs> um, are there other announcements we need to share today? Our folks who have been in the hospital are getting better. Heath Dobson was supposed to come home yesterday after... Quintuple bypass uh, on Tuesday. Uh, his mother, Ann, is home following a fall resulting in a fractured hip, but doing very well. Um, other folks, I think, are all doing well as well. If your prayer cards are filled out, if you'll raise them up, our ushers will retrieve them, and we will have time together in prayer. have a single collector this morning. <clears throat> Thank you. Are there others? Aha. <clears throat> Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, with the children and the women and the men and the followers who had been with you in many places, we join their chorus this morning as we welcome you and say, Hosanna, blessed is the one who has come in the name of the Lord, even our Lord and Savior. <clears throat> and here are our special prayers for this day. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for safety for Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan. We pray for a brother and sister-in-law as they face difficult changes. We pray for a brother who has physical problems as well as spiritual issues. We ask you, O oh God, to bless family and friends of Lunas Valentine, who passed away this week. Um, he, is to be, he will be missed by all of us so much. We pray for healing for Martha Gibson and also for Ken Taylor. We pray, O oh Lord, for Shannon Stoner as she is undergoing tests for lymphoma. And we pray for Luke Hall who is in the hospital, and we pray your blessings upon him. We thank you, O Lord, for hearing our prayers and for doing more than that, for already being there with these folks we've prayed for, for inspiring us that we might join you in the healing, answering prayer process by offering our prayers to you. And we expect, O Lord, to hear glorious things as we've given you these prayer concerns and as we've prayed in Jesus' name, as he has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture today is from Matthew's gospel, the 21st chapter. The first verse down through verse 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Here ends the lesson. It's been a little while ago now, maybe a decade ago, a friend of mine was appointed by our bishop to be a district superintendent in our state. And so I sent him a very short note that simply had this scripture reference on it. Luke 23, 42. Well, unless you know what that is, you have to look it up, and he did. And if you look it up, you'll see that that verse of scripture says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then I saw where he was being appointed. Down here, Walterboro District, Walterboro. And so I wrote him a second note that said, considering where your kingdom is, forget me, please. Consider the uh, Roman diplomat. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I'm hitting the wrong button. That would help if I hit the right button. Consider the uh, Roman diplomat who rose in the ranks of the army and foreign service until he was finally ready to be appointed as a governor of some region of the empire. How proud his family would be of his accomplishment Then they learned that he had been given a very uh, unglamorous position. He wasn't here like he was hoping. He was way over here. 
They learned that he had been appointed by Caesar to a place no one wanted to go to, Palestine, to govern those hard-headed, independent-minded Hebrews. After almost a century of Roman rule, those people were no happier than when they had first welcomed the Romans in 63 BC when Pompey, the general, had come in and conquered the area. The worst thing about being appointed there would be that you'd have to live in Jerusalem of all places. Most of the Roman governors left people to run their business but didn't live in Jerusalem. They decided to go to the coast, to the Mediterranean to live. And certainly that is what Pilate was doing. He would live near the coast. Um, but even though he lived far away from Jerusalem most of the time, there were certain times when he had to make an appearance. One such time was during the feast of the Passover. Not only would it be good politics, but his presence was absolutely essential if law and order were to be preserved. You see, all Israelites were expected to make the pilgrimage to the temple that week. With Hebrews from all over the known world coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, the population would swell to many times the normal number. With anti-Roman feeling growing among those people every year, it was a real powder keg. So Pilate always showed up on the first day of the week as a reminder of who was in charge. People had better not forget it. Local residents were recruited they were expected to line the street to welcome Governor Pilate every year. If they didn't, the local Jewish authorities could have their few freedoms challenged by an angry, angry governor. The synoptic gospel writers who told you about Jesus' parade took it for granted that we would already know about Pilate's parade. But this fact has been lost in history. Only recently has this been rediscovered by biblical scholars. According to biblical scholars uh, like Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crosson in their book, The Last Week, at the very time that Jesus was entering Jerusalem on a donkey at the back gate, Pilate was parading into town by the main gate accompanied by several large companies of Roman soldiers. Now, when you realize this, you begin to see why Jesus did what he did on that particular day. His actions did fulfill an Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah. But I will defend my house against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people. For now I am keep, keeping watch. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, 
I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. An amazing prophecy. But there was something distinctly political in what Jesus did as well. Something very anti-Roman. It is no wonder that the Jewish authorities ran to Jesus and told him to shut the people up. There can't be any disturbance like this going on. Not when Pilate is just showing up in town. Jesus said, if the crowd gets quiet, I tell you, the rocks will rise up and yell. This was clearly an act of treason. And treason was punishable. Well, you guess what it was punishable by? Torture and a cross. Several questions come to mind as I think about all of this. First of all, why were the Hebrew leaders so opposed to what Jesus did that day? It had to do with the fact that they still enjoyed a very limited number of freedoms in their day, even though they were ruled by the Romans. They were allowed to practice their religion without interference from the Romans. Sacrifices in the temple were allowed to continue. Those many festivals which identified the people of Israel as God's chosen people were allowed to be observed. They even had a Jewish leader, King Herod, who was answerable only to Pilate. Selections of the priest went on without much interference, except for the heavy taxation burden and the loss of statehood independence Israel enjoyed many liberties as long as the peace was maintained. But this Jesus of Nazareth was shaking things up. First of all, he was tampering with the religion. He was tampering with those things that defined those people as being separate. Eating kosher food was not nearly as important as watching what you said to your neighbor, Jesus said. He said it this way. It isn't what goes into the mouth that counts, it's what comes out of it. Sabbath rules were meant to be bent, Jesus said, if it enabled you to take care of your neighbor. And even the vilest of sinners would be welcomed back into the faith community if it was up to Jesus, a fact that made some people think that it really didn't matter anymore what you did. If you'd made mistakes, it was no big deal. Now this preacher was imitating and mocking Pilate, staging a mock parade at the very moment that Pilate was entering the city, siphoning away some of the crowd that was supposed to be at Pilate's parade, allowing his followers to proclaim that he and not Pilate was the true king. Well, there goes the neighborhood, as they say. The few freedoms that Israel had enjoyed were probably going to be taken away. Perhaps the Romans would decide to destroy Jerusalem and scatter the people just like the Assyrians and the Babylonians had done centuries earlier. Judah would be once again wiped out. The identity of God's chosen people could be lost forever. That had happened to the tribes of the north when they were carried off. They never came back. It was such a scary prospect that the religious leaders had said, if we let him go on like this, Everyone will follow him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. To this, the high priest added, Don't you realize that it would be better for one man to die for our nation? 
than the whole nation to perish? And with that sentiment, they plotted to have Jesus arrested and crucified. Now, before we judge them as being uh, so blind, let's remember that if survival is your goal, then their tactic made sense. It works and has often worked in history. The Babylonian Empire collapsed and the exiles came back to Jerusalem without ever having to revolt. They outlasted their captors. The Soviet Union collapsed after 70 years and the former Soviet republics regained their independence without firing a shot. They outlasted their oppressors. Many Germans felt like that was the thing to do to outlast Hitler. There was no way that the citizens of Judah could rise up and defeat the Romans. A sad fact that they learned a few years after Jesus' crucifixion, their only hope was to outlast their conquerors. That meant keeping the zealots and troublemakers like Jesus under control. You know, sometimes you and I make our own pacts with the devil in order to survive or outlast our enemies, don't we? If the zealots had continued behaving and if they hadn't rebelled in 70 AD, it probably would have worked. But their decision not only failed, but it showed their spiritual blindness. They did not recognize their king when he proclaimed himself openly in their presence. They sided with the wrong one. The second question that I feel like asking is, why did Jesus undertake such a provocative parade. There's no avoiding the fact that Jesus intended his parade to be a direct claim to be king of Israel and a direct challenge against those who would claim anyone else as their king. After months of keeping low key, asking others not to tell people that he was the Messiah, now we see him making that public proclamation. He hoped everyone would take note of the parade, especially the Romans. He knew that his days were numbered. He had nothing to lose. There was an active plot against his life. He already had predicted his death on the cross. So why not put up a very provocative parade so that there would be no doubt in the followers' minds and in the people of Judah as well? No one would ever be able to say, Maybe Jesus wasn't the king. He didn't didn't ever say that. Not after what he did that day. There's also no avoiding the fact that Jesus was mocking earthly power. Pilate rode into town in the company of armed soldiers with swords drawn. Jesus rode into town on a donkey in the company of women, children, and men with palm branches raised. People had to attend Pilate's parade because of fear. People chose to join Jesus' parade because of love, faith, and courage. As we've seen in the Middle Eastern countries recently, military power can never match the power of devotion to love and to an ideal. And those of our world who will depend on power instead of love, on tyranny instead of freedom, are destined to fail, ultimately. You know, the Roman Empire tried for 300 years to erase every memory of Jesus. But in the end, the Christian faith conquered the Roman Empire. The emperor himself became a Christian, 
and made Christianity the favored religion of the land. Who could have guessed that 20 centuries after that first Palm Sunday, no one would remember Pilate's parade, but our world would still celebrate and remember Jesus' parade. This year on Palm Sunday, Jesus and Pilate again both ride on the center stage of our lives, asking us which side we're on, whose side we're on. Will we take the power of fear and intimidation or the path of self-denial, service, and love? They ask us to choose between the two of them this day. Whom will you follow? Amen. I invite you to stand as together we uh, affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated and we will worship God now as we receive our morning offering. Hosanna to the sun. 
rode into Jerusalem to declare himself to be our king. So we leave here this day determined to follow him as our king. For he has given his life for us and is our savior. Amen. Thank you. 
Have a great week.